Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. Happy Friday, the first Friday of July. No, that's wrong. It is the second Friday of July because it is July the 8th, AD 2022. And of course, it's been a big summer. It was a big June, a June full of pride for anti-abortion folk like myself. And my guest today, LifeSite News, Matt Lamb, who is also the editor of The College Fix. Matt, this is your first time on the show, even though we have lots of connections between us. Welcome to Rules for Retrogrades. Thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, my wife is uh, helps with Tim's Tim's website, and she's at home now full-time, thanks to the Case for Patriarchy book and uh, taking care of her little son, Raymond Leo. That's your first son, right? Congratulations. Yeah, he's named after Cardinal Burke. That's based. Most writings probably picked up on that, but... He's going to be very, very based, Raymond Leo. Uh, yeah. Raymond Leo Lamb. Yeah, tell Brianna hi for us. She helped us uh, long ago, two, two to three years ago, and we always keep in touch with her. Now, you, you mentioned uh, she worked from home all along, right? Uh, Brianna did. So even when you say... Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very... So she went from full or, or, I don't know, part-time work at home to a mindset of having read, I guess, Case for Patriarchy or seeing some interviews me and, and Dave did on the early version of the show and said, you know what, even full-time work from home, which is allowed of Catholic wives by the bimillennial tradition, she said, even this is too much, I'm getting out. Yeah, I mean, it was never, uh, it, it was never the plan to have, um, <clears throat> you know, her, her work full-time forever. But uh, once the baby was born, I mean, that was basically basically the the end of it um yeah tim knows exactly when he was born because he texted brianna to get some stuff up on the website and i was like uh my wife is in labor but we will get back to you on that i was like we'll get going <laughs> yeah hey. and i had like a bull whip i i'd fashioned it from yeah. some nearby materials like our lord and and uh no that that was that was an amazing day is he he's just over a year about seven months because he's born in December 2021 or 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's about seven months. It's funny when people say, if I remember correctly, and then you're like, no, you you don't remember yeah. correctly at all. You You've got enough of your own pregnancies and kids to worry about, so you don't need to keep track of ours. Well, that's the funny thing, Matt, uh, and, and Parish Orvin's retrogrades. This, this is a general life show and a question today, open-endedly. I, I don't have an answer is the culture of life now winning after Dobbs versus Jackson? But the funny thing is, since we're talking about all, all of our kids, uh, me and Matt's eight kids between us sounds, sounds like a homo marriage or something like that, but isn't. Uh, we, have, we have one little girl in here. I think she's related to us, like five feet away because the baby, this is little Penelope. She is my daughter. Um, she's, they're so, and also steps so dependent on the mothers that being away the prospect the proposition of being away for a, a new mother from the baby the baby from the mom for more than 30 seconds at a time is inconvenient it's a little bit dangerous uh, it's actually quite dangerous and um and it requires some sort of surrogate hey will you watch the baby the, like newborns for the first Four to six months really have to be watched at all times, such that you're going to even hear a series of squeakings and squawkings and nose honkings in this very show, as people have been since Steph 
was done. But I mean, that's the point, isn't it? It's like, even though, even though your wife, our, our friend, me and Steph's friend, Brianna, had a pretty good gig where she could work from home, you have a kid and then it's all bye-bye. You know, yeah. you can't do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely like a better calling. I, I had someone I worked with at Students for Life who, uh, after I left, I touched base and I said, oh, how's it going? And she said, well, I quit my job. I actually just quit my job because she married someone who had a, a, a kid. And so I was like, well, there's there's no better calling than leaving work to to be a mom. And now she has her own, she'll have her own baby with with her new husband. And, and so um it's really great. But yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I, I do think life is winning. Life is winning in America. Okay, good. Well, so let's, let's right out of the box, uh, Matt Lam- LifeSite News is Matt Lamb, also editor of The College Fix, who featured, featured this new puppy. I just got the book yesterday. Oh, great. Don't go to college, go to Regnery and uh, pre-order yours. It comes out, I think, almost exactly one month from the day. Handsome little book here with the denim jeans on the cover, the way the college youth used to like to do. Don't go to college. Also, speaking of Brianna, who helped us wire this up on the internet, still go buy Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Ask your husband, an even handsomer book, if I may say. Uh, Regnery's going to get mad at me. Um, from timothyjgordon.com, go to whatever. What, what, what tab is that? To Publications. Publications. Thanks to Brianna. Yeah, and, and thanks to Brianna Lamb. Um, you know, it's good work. And look, uh, people are always asking, hey, we don't want to get on Patreon. How do we support? And I'm like, well, Patreon's the main way to support this channel. Timothy J. Gordon, we need it. And now we've got a reading group of Father Elijah for all levels of Patreon. So join today if you can. If you can't, then buy our publications. The uh, forthcoming one by me is Don't Go to College with my friend and co-author, Dr. Michael Robillard, and also by Steph's Ask Your Husband. That book generated quite a lot of conflict when it was out. Of course, Matt referenced The Case for Patriarchy, which was my third book. Uh, Rules for Retrogrades, the uh, self-title of the program, is my second book. And my magnum opus is Catholic Republic. So purchase the books. You can get them all on Amazon. You, you have a link to all of them on timothyjgordon.com. That's what we want you to do. And also we want you to hit like, subscribe, click the notification bell. And because I'm going to take the gainsay position, Matt, I'm going to say, I'm not so sure. I mean, we got a head of steam, but I'm not so sure that the culture of life in the 50 state union is winning. I'm going to, for the purposes of today, and because it's what I really believe, say people need to get to a red state. I think the culture of life now that the issue has been federalistically returned to the states, at the very least, what you could do is get to a red state where your real republic, which is your state, will uh, will, will be home, uh, will be denizen uh, to, to other denizens of pro-life like yourself. So get to a red state, go to realestateforlife.org to do so. Tell them Tim sent you and do so before the midterm elections. That's what's most important now that we have had some victory. I mean, it's been a long time coming, wasn't it, Matt? You're you're a LifeSite News writer. Yeah, it, was, and- <clears throat> it was about 50, well, it was Roe v. Wade was almost 50 years ago, which interestingly was a precedent longer than uh, Bowers v. Hardwick, which uh, ruled against, which ruled in favor of anti-sodomy laws. So the, the left in their 
precedence and it lasted longer than Baker v. Nelson, which said that states can regulate marriage. You don't have to accept sodomitic marriages. Um, but it, it has been a long time coming. And thankfully, a lot of states already have trigger laws in place. So we're seeing in places like Texas, Mississippi, South Dakota, they're now abortion free. Well, so all right. So let's let's first define because you, you went right there. I, I think that's good stuff. The culture of life does not just mean abortion. And this is no people. This is not our version of seamless garment. But culture of life is a matter of fact. It doesn't include the death penalty, but it does include marriage, all the other things um, in a bona fide way related to life. So true marriage between one man and one woman, uh, anti-pornea uh, issues like contraception and, and, and pornography writ large. And of course, now that we have, you know, we have a ban on anti-sodomy laws across all 50 states, even the conservative ones, and we have a forced uh, acceptance of gay marriage across all 50 states. Being a culture of life, it takes on a broader meaning. And as exciting as June the 24th was, Matt, you just set the stage for us here. June 24th, Dobbs versus Jackson comes out. Big win for you folks at LifeSite News. Big win for all of us on the anti-abortion side. Big win for Mississippi, yeah. because that really began here. And Mississippi was the one that enacted its uh, trigger law most recently yesterday. Set the stage for us. Um, Culture of Life gets a big win in the middle of Pride Month. Tell us, tell us what it was like at LifeSite News, and then, then we'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation on whether or not there's a culture of life that's decisively won a battle or a war here. Sure. So we had people at the Supreme Court. I wasn't there. I live in Indiana. I got to a red state after growing up in Illinois. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was uh, quite amazing to see it reversed. Um, of course, I think all the pro-lifers know that this is just step one, but I think it's OK to celebrate. I think there was a lot of uh, Debbie Downer pro-lifers that were like, yes, but there's work to be done. Well, of course, right. let's, <laughs> let's enjoy that there's going to be fewer, fewer abortions. Um, <clears throat> so we at LifeSite have also been covering, if you go to our website, we have at the top left-hand corner, basically an ongoing list of where there's different court orders, laws being struck down, laws being upheld. Um, and really this was a you know victory for, you know Elizabeth Warren said something, I think it was when the, the leak came out, she said, the Republicans have been plotting and strategizing for, for decades to do this. You know what? That's politics, baby. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's welcome to politics. Like, yeah, we strategize and we got judges on and we wrote laws and we did our homework and got, you know, the real history of abortion, which is that many states regulated abortion before Roe v. Wade, going back even to the, you know, 1800s. And, uh, and, and we've de we de detailed a lot of that, of course, at LifeSite. Um, and yeah, so that's where we stand now. Um, I think the, not to go too much on tangent, I think, as you mentioned, the culture of life, the thing we, especially Catholics need to push back on our more, our Protestant pro-life friends is that we shouldn't be pushing for vasectomies. That's just a form of transgender surgery, severing healthy reproductive organs. We shouldn't be pushing for contraception. And we, of course, should support alternatives to life, but we shouldn't make it as if we have to have all these welfare programs in place before we ban abortion. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. Don't, by the way, Matt, don't feel bad going chasing down any tangent today because it's a big net. And no, it doesn't include the death penalty the way the, the commies who call themselves Catholics want to uh, make the argument. But it does include all those other issues. It does include all those issues that in American constitutional jurisprudence, specifically 14th Amendment jurisprudence, fall under the catch net of a, a title of substantive due process. Now, the day of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, the Debbie Downer pro-lifers were saying, oh, it's not that big of a victory. It's, it really is. The overly triumphalistic ones uh, were saying, well, we've won decisively the war, not just a battle. No, this was a big battle. I'm always right there in the middle. It's a big battle. Celebrate hard. We just, we're going to the next round of the playoffs. Definitely celebrate. But this is not the whole pro-life or anti-abortion even war. Um, you, uh, right there in the middle, wrote such an excellent article. If I were a writer for LifeSite News, it, was the, it would be the article that I would have wanted to write too. That day, it's called, I, I was reading back over it now, and it's when I contacted you. Justice Thomas says, Scotus, he's so based. I, can I say this? Justice Thomas, no homo. I love you. Um, uh, Justice Thomas says SCOTUS should revisit rulings on same-sex marriage. You threw that in your title, so I, I love you too. No homo. Uh, sodomy and contraception. Now, a little plug for this channel. Folks that know it well know that I have been pushing, even as far back as Catholic Republic, I've been pushing as a big neo-Confederate states' rights guy uh, against the 14th Amendment jurisprudence on uh, Lawrence versus Texas, on uh, obviously Hodges versus uh, uh, Bergefell Hodges, but also on uh, Griswold v. Connecticut. And the one that Thomas let me down on, he didn't mention, was Stanley versus Georgia, which under 14th Amendment jurisprudence, sort of a substantive uh, due process issue, forced all states to not illegalize uh, pornography. And then, of course, Rose, the big one. So I talk about these five. Uh, abortion being, it's illegal federally for it to be illegal until Dobbs on June 24th, but we still have pornography under Stanley versus Georgia, illegal for any of the states to make it illegal. And that's still the case. Contraception under Griswold jurisprudence, illegal for any of the states to make it illegal. Lawrence versus Texas, illegal for any of the 50 states to make sodomy illegal. And, uh, of course, more recently, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, illegal for any of the 50 states to make that illegal. Uh, Thomas named four out of the five, or he named three out of the four in a case which overturned, in a, in a, in a joint dissent which overturned the other of the five, Roe versus Wade. It was a great article. What, what, what was your first response to seeing that he had joined with such panache? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I mean, it's it's great to it's great to put it out there. Um, it's great to point out that we should follow the logic that uh, you know if if Roe was wrongly decided because of this substantive due process and and penumbras and emanations and all of Justice Kennedy's wordsmithing. Um, and of course, I have to love that. I, I think it was Justice Scalia said something about. If I wrote something as bad as what Justice Kennedy wrote in Oberfell, I would I would hide my head in a bag. And of course, you know they're very as my you know they're very cordial. They don't directly say that, but 
we all know he was directing it at the majority in Obergefell. Um, Scalia, quick correction. Everyone on the bench is cordial except for Scalia. Yeah. And that's why we love. I once asked him in person, he was lecturing my constitutional law class. I was like, well, what do you think about the declarationists that treat the declaration like a legal instrument? Um, a law constructing instrument. And he said, yeah, because nobody can disagree about what the natural law requires or anything. And he huffed and he took the next question. He's, I love him, but man, he can be sassy. He could have been sassy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, just Thomas, uh, a, a devout Catholic, uh, goes to mass every day. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, this is great. This is great to see. And, and really, if we kind of take a, a broader view okay, you can't regulate contraception, but we do regulate contraception. I mean, the, there's the FDA has to approve the different IUDs and the different birth control pills. And, um, and really one thing to note about Lawrence v. Texas, a lot of times when people say sodomy, they assume it means homosexual sex, but it actually just means any sex that can't be procreative, um, you know, oral sex, anal sex. And so it, 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 it isn't, it's, it's wrongly uh, presented as a anti, as a, gay sex law, but it was actually equally applied, equal protection of the laws goes both ways um, that you can prosecute equally. Um, and so I don't know, unfortunately, Thomas only had one, he was the only one joining his concurring opinion. But, um, you know, I mean, you, you never know with justices, there may have been there may be two more that would join him if there's then a third or fourth justice added. Uh, but there isn't really a benefit right now to other justices joining unless they have a majority. So Right. We, I mean, we need we need five legit conservatives on the bench. I mean, God bless them what they did. But you will know it is a conservative uh, coup d'etat or whatever. All the, the, the crazy mad radicals in this country, baby killing radicals in this country have been saying since June the 24th. You'll know we've got that crazy right wing coup d'etat with with guys like you and I leading the charge, tossing out hom tomahawks. Once people are willing to join Justice Thomas, which is to say, let's eviscerate substantive due process jurisprudence. Here's what he said. The court should reconsider um, all of this own court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence and Obergefell. He, um, you know, that doesn't ex expressly exclude Stanley versus Georgia. That would be the, the dream to include that as well. You open by saying, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion today in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case, the reverse Roe versus Wade. In it, Justice Thomas agreed that Roe should be reversed and argued that the Supreme Court of the United States should next revisit other substantive due process cases. He specifically mentioned Lawrence versus Texas, which struck down laws against sodomy, Griswold versus Connecticut, where the right to privacy was really made up out of whole cloth, which struck down laws against married couple using contraception and Obergefell v. Hodges, which declared a right to same-sex marriage. I would just say this to you, Matt, regarding the point about the true definition of sodomy, which many don't know, kind of like a Catholic bishop, all matters of the loins, uh, to a Catholic bishop in their ears, they hear a matter of the loins, even, I don't know, 2016, Amoris Laetitia, they're thinking, how can we ease this up on homosexuals. So they hear even sex writ large. They're thinking homosexual sex. Sodomy more often than not means 
gay, the, yeah. the gay homosex. And, um, but it can mean all the other funky, fresh stuff that, that is uh, illicit. And um, of course, the special lobby in this country, particularly LGBTQ, whatever, they're always thinking gay because they're always thinking gay because they're, they're pretty gay, right? So, I mean, that, they've got it between the ears. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So do you think that this is a, a realistic opportunity? This has been like my project as a constitutional scholar for 12 years now is like get out, popularize among conservatives the, the overall evil of substantive due process and everything that came from the 14th Amendment. How realistic do you find it? Well, tomorrow could a case be brought up? No, obviously we have one, one, only one justice so far. What I would say is that if the, to go back to our friend, Senator Elizabeth Warren, if the conservative movement, maybe just pick one of these to start with, uh, Obergefell might be the most uh, likely traverse, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, um, and put the same effort while still going after while still working to eliminate abortion in the states and put the same effort into the, you know, finding the history, the legal theories, finding the holes in the rulings, which shouldn't be that hard. Um, right. We can certainly refer now back to, to Jackson. Um, you know, it certainly seems possible. I'm not really optimistic it's going to happen in the next, in the next few years. Um, but if, if conservatives took this up um, and strategized the way they've been able to successfully get row reversed, um, get pro gun rulings, uh, it, it, it could be a possibility. I'm not going to put a, a, a date, a date on it when it might be, when some of these might start to get struck down. Um, but we've People already shown we can strategize and plot for decades to do things. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like uh, Pocahontas was afraid we did with regard to Dobbs. People don't realize that the 14th amendment is so evil as a constitutional, uh, uh, cudgel that certain Maybe you didn't know this. Certain legal concepts don't even have a cohesive legal theory under the 14th Amendment. For instance, it's still not clear. We know that incorporation of the Bill of Rights against state legislatures, which only started happening in the 20th century under 14th Amendment jurisprudence. Justice Thomas is like on his own. He's like, did it happen under the second due process clause, which is in the 14th Amendment? Did it happen under the equal protection clause in the 14th Amendment? Did it happen? He's, I think, the only one to suggest under the privileges and immunities clause, which is considered dead after the slaughterhouse cases. But there's not even a, a, a cohesive, coherent point of view among justices on the 20th century SCOTUS bench as to where incorporation came from. There's not a perfectly clear view as to outside of the 14th Amendment. Where's the locus in quo of the 14th Amendment for the bunk legal theory of Roe versus Wade? I guess it would be the Equal Protection Clause. But a bunch of these other cases that um, are substantive due process clause cases come from a combination of the 14th Amendment's due process clause. The first due process clause is in the Fifth Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause. But they didn't even specify because it's such uh, 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 cardboard junk wax bad law that comes um from the 14th amendment in general yeah and then they're all kind of kind of they're all kind of sort of stuck with this um so i mean i'll see a lot of pro-lifers saying well even justice ginsburg opposed roe v wade well but not really she may have said it but she had how many opportunities when she was on the bench to vote to reverse it so it's sort of like well we're kind of stuck with this 
this thing because if we reverse it, then pro-life laws are going to get passed. And then, you know, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, they sort of tried to like restart Roe v. Wade and they they tinkered with it a little bit. But yeah. like you said, there's no uh, it, it was so faulty to, to start with. There was, of course, no um, no basis for it. And now maybe if you want to talk about this a little bit we're seeing in the States, these justices are trying to redo Roe. These activist judges are saying, well, our state constitution due to the right to privacy protects abortion. Right, right, exactly. They're trying to double reverse incorporate, right, uh, which is a, a legal doctrine, which they figure as a last ditch effort would <laughs> allow them to say, well, we already incorporated the federal law into our state laws and we have a state right of privacy that would allow this. Have you guys covered this at all? The, the yeah, I think it was, efforts? yeah, I believe we, you know, there's, there's been plenty, but I believe um, the uh, let's see, I think Utah, uh, there's a Utah judge um, who made something about uh, let, let, let's see, let's see. There was uh, okay. Utah. I know in Louisiana um, there was a, uh, there, there's there's been different judges have been basically trying to find the right to abortion in their own um, state constitution. Um, so I know Louisiana, Utah, um, there was some battles in Kentucky, a judge, there was a hearing the other day. Um, so so this has been going on. I think in Florida, there was a there was the law blocked and then DeSantis appealed it like 30 minutes later. So that's now in effect the 15 week ban, but right. hopefully they'll go further and ban abortion completely, which really the person deserves a lot of credit. Mississippi, yes, but it was a state, but is uh, Governor Kay Ivey in Alabama. That was the, really the first one to say, let's just completely ban abortion. And that sort of, I think, changed the mindset of the pro-life movement towards getting rid of exceptions uh, for rape and incest. Um, and so really that was kind of the first, maybe one of the bigger victories in the, the culture of life when it comes to abortion. Right. And I, I'm I'm reading the LifeSite article on it that came up yesterday. I was disappointed to find that as Mississippi joined Alabama, followed suit in getting rid of <laughs> abortion altogether. It's kind of not accurate because there is a rape exception, which is, um, you know, it's not that it's not that numerous an issue. But it's still why it makes no sense. And of course, we don't have to explain it to my audience. We don't have to explain it to each other. Why would, uh, you know, one horrible crime justify another being raped justifies murdering someone else. It's not like you get to murder the person that raped you, which would make it a little more understandable. Anyway, um, this is all true. And and the, I think this is the real issue is we don't know exactly how it's going to shake out aside from the fact that it, it's probably a, a worthless challenge about half of the States, give or take in this country are going to be pro-life. And like you said, the Debbie downers in the pro-life movement who don't really understand federalism and don't understand the real world effects, how many fewer abortions <laughs> right. will take place in the United States. If you're obsessed with looking at the United States as one big republic, which is sort of a joke, and not the individual states as the republics, okay, fine. Arguendo, we'd say, well, we just cut the number of abortions more than in half that are happening, meaning how many millions of babies' lives in a decade will be saved by this? So many. So you can't, I don't understand the Debbie Downers. On the other hand, 
And I want to hear your, your point of view on this, Matt. On the other hand, I don't know. I, I just, I've never believed that we can pull the 50 state union out of the fire and still be pleasing to God. I, I, don't, I don't think so. My solution, unlike the post-liberal integralists, is balkanization. They never like that. But I'm like, we just need to break it up to the red states as some sort of union or, or some sort of unions. Uh, it doesn't have to be one giant conglomerate among red states. That's how you form a, a, a true republic. So that's where I'm kind of a <clears throat> middling optimist is there's a real chance here because now both sides want a sort of national divorce. That's where I say, I don't think I'm overly optimistic. I don't think I'm overly skeptical. What do you say? Yeah, I would say maybe to, to change a little bit. So because what we're really talking about is, OK, well, what are we going to do in Illinois, California, New York, Washington, Oregon? And, you know, in, in, in that vein, one, there was a study just that we covered a few weeks ago at the College Fix. Uh, there's a study out of Berkeley that just reaffirmed that the further people have to travel for abortions, the more abortion rates go down. Of course, now we have to fight the abortion pills through the mail, RU486. But, you know, liberals sometimes on issues will eventually come around to our position if they, you know, you always see this every time there's an abortion ban. Well, if we're going to ban abortion, then men need to be forced to pay for the babies they create. And conservatives are like, yep, it's called marriage. We've been you know, talking about this for thousands of years. Yeah. So I do think like, for example, in California, where they're going to have abortion clinics on basically every public four-year college campus giving out RU486 drugs, I'm sure the next thing will be, you know, other abortions that pro-lifers can really do a lot of work in those states to, to expose these atrocities. And I do think women, more women will be dying of these, uh, of these abortions. And at some point there, there could be a rollback in some fashion of the very permissive abortion laws. It sounds really great if you're a pro-abortion governor, like J.B. Pritzker in Illinois to say, we're going to be the abortion capital of the world until there's 20 or 30 or 40, you know, Tanya Reeves, who is this woman that tragically died in Chicago, I think about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and at some point, there is going to be a drumbeat, I think, in even these liberal states to regulate abortion more closely. And they'll probably come back to, they'll probably just end up adopting what a conservative state passed 15 years ago when it comes to abortion regulations. Um, and the other thing is, of course, that a lot of resources that are going to the pro-life movement can now shift to uh, different strategies. You know, I worked at Students for Life of America, Students for Life Action. There's a lot of great things that pro-life groups are doing, uh, you know, digitally with pregnancy resource centers. So I don't think California or New York is a completely um, lost cause. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, on, your, on the national divorce question, I, I've seen different things. The, the problem, of course, is that that still leaves it. We can't really fight then against abortion in the the new country, which I guess would kind of have to wrap around the Midwest from California to New York or something, cut through Canada. But maybe Canada will just, you know, take over some of California or Oregon. Well, I think that it would get more socialist. But I mean, here's the issue. Think about it conceptually. I'm not, I, my, my, my tongue is not implanted in my cheek as I say this. Yes, I don't want abortions anywhere in the world. I think a lot of the parish orphans and retrogrades out there need to hear this. We don't want it anywhere in the world. I don't want little Chinese babies being aborted. I don't want African babies being aborted. The difference is the Chinese actually 
the government wants it. The African governments, by and large, don't want it, and it's being forced on them by by uh, multinational organizations yeah. with with aid conditioned on it. But I don't want any abortions anywhere. China, you know, switched its one child policy and and forced abortion, but they had something like four hundred million or something in forty years. It was unreal. Yeah. Um, I don't want that, but. I'm not a globalist. See, when you say that, then no one has a problem with it. It's like, well, we can't, we can't make law. We know globalism is one, Luciferian, one new world order, one worlder stuff. So we can't, it's not really our concern, even though as Christians, we're very concerned about the little babies being aborted in China or Africa, but it's not <clears throat> jurisprudentially under any construction of the term, our concern. That it's sort of the same thing when you understand the theory of true Aristotomist classical republics, they need to be small. Your republic is your state. You're, you're morally accountable to some extent for what goes on within your state, which is why move, some, move to one of the red states now, people, and you will not be paying taxes that go toward abortion. Um, you know, that's a, a better reason to go to realestateforlife.org and get out of your blue state. Now there are real states in America, once again, for the first time in 49 years, where one can go and not being, uh, not subsidizing abortion through your taxes. So it's kind of the same, right? I mean, abortion in blue states, the more that we distance ourselves from seeing ourselves as countrymen or denizens of the same republic, as New Yorkers or Californians mm. in red, we red staters, you and I, Yeah, the more we realize nationalism is just sort of a form of globalism when the country's a continent wide, almost the size of a hemisphere. The, you know, in other words, there's no such thing as a republic that large. So it's kind of like, well, I don't want any abortions in blue states. I also don't want abortions in commie countries like China. But what subsidiarity calls us to is be in a small little local republic that has laws, that has a res publica like what we embrace, the rules of and norms of Christendom. Yeah, and I, I think there will be, uh, whether there's ever an official secession or splitting up of the country, there will be, I think, some self-selection as I think liberals will move to more liberal states, um, especially presumably when they're younger and they think they might want, want an abortion. So I, I can definitely see, I mean, we already see, people leaving California and going to places like Texas and Florida. Um, and I, I, you know, a nice benefit of pro-life laws in, in addition, of course, to the main goal of saving babies from abortion is that, you know, it, it might stop a lot of purple states from going blue. Um, we need to change the mind so people aren't picking where they live so they can have abortions, of course. But in the interim, I can definitely, I mean, there's going to be somewhat, there's already a national split. Um, and so I guess it just goes down to, will it ever become, become official or, or what is the next stage? I don't know how many liberals thought Roe could get reversed. So we'll have to just see how they react in the next five or 10 years. I mean, there's big talk now about, we have a story in life say right now about, you know, Arizona activists, they're trying to get abortion rights in the state constitution. They had a referendum and it, it failed to get on the ballot. So there's big talk right now, of course, in red states of, well, most Americans want abortion. So even in Arizona, we're going to get, you know, uh, a right to abortion in the Constitution. I just don't know in the, if that's going to happen. Um, 
because there's no reason to say it couldn't just get repealed by the Republican legislature. So yeah, we'll, we'll see if there's a national split. And I guess I'm, I'm open on whether or not that would be a good thing. The, yeah. The cultural national split is there. Will there be a um, legislative jurisprudential uh, split in the polity to reflect this? Time will tell. I'm hoping for it. I've been right. pulling for it for, for 10 years. I wrote my first case for national divorce article uh, in 2012 after Obama got reelected. And, and uh, literally, my postmaster was opening ingoing and outgoing mail for the next nine months or so. That, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, uh, reflecting this you know, hatred that, that the blue states have, a kind of diabolical hatred for red staters, is your ex- state's governor, uh, not your state's ex-governor, but your ex-state's governor, uh, uh, sorry, Chicago mayor. Yeah, uh, Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. You have an article today, leftist Chicago mayor doubles down on the <clears throat> fuck Clarence Thomas rant. Um, that's, that's amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about this? This really reflects how evil these people are. Yeah. So Lori Lightfoot is, uh, is, is the mayor of, uh, Chicago. She is very liberal, uh, and she is in a marriage to a, a we, none of us believe it's a real marriage. So I'll stop doing the scare quotes, but she is in a partnership with a woman. Um, and there's actually a conservative commentator, Dan Proft, who calls her mayor triple threat because she's a woman, she's black and she's gay. I assume that's what he means. And at the, I don't know where the, you got that assumption from. Yeah. At one of the, uh, deadliest sin events, um, which happened, uh, Saturday or Sunday after Roe v. Wade reversal at the end of June, of course, she went on this rant about, you know, blank, blank Clarence Thomas. Um, you already said the word yeah, and then, um, yeah. So this conservative commentator, former journalist, Amy Jacobson said, okay, well, you're talking about the toxicity of public discourse. Cause there's the, the shooting of course in, in Highland, which is a suburb of Chicago. There was, I guess, some attacks on police and he, she's like, uh, but, but you said blank, a uh, Supreme court justice. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I still, I still stand by this. And she had before, when the leaked opinion came out said, well, this is a, a call to arms to my, let me get this right. Yeah. I'm looking at it. L LGBTQ brothers and oh, to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community, she forgot um, two spirit and pansexual. <laughs> yeah. fluid. All the, the pans out there. Yeah. Are <laughs> the Supreme cute. court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call, call to arms, which sounds like an insurrection um, to me and an attacks on our democracy. Um, and also, I think she kind of was making a bit of a racially coded message because she said Clarence Thomas is a hypocrite, which I think is about because he's married because Jenny Thomas's wife is white. So I, I think yeah. she's trying to say if you support interracial marriage, which I hope everyone in the country is fine with, that you also have to support, you know, Obergefell and, and contraception and, and abortion. Um, and it's just really part of this this violence, uh, violent rhetoric, violence we've seen from the left. I mean, we've probably lost count. LifeSide has plenty of examples, of course, of pregnancy centers getting bombed uh, or, or firebombed. Um, the church my father-in-law goes to, it's a, a diocesan church and they have a Latin mass and they have a pregnancy center, you know, on their, uh, at their church has been attacked multiple times um, with, you know, graffiti and statues vandalized. Um, and there's a sort of very worrying trend of violent rhetoric um, 
uh, on the live. I mean, this is the mayor of one of the, the, you know, the largest cities that will probably unfortunately become sort of an abortion haven um, for people in Ohio and Indiana and Michigan and Iowa. Yeah, she said that, that says to me that the people who are <laughs> acting so brazenly uh, have not only no respect for themselves, but they don't have respect for institutions like the police department who, uh, who men and women every single day on every watch are literally risking life and limb for our safety. This is after the July 4th thing. But toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that I think we should all be concerned about, right? That's the thing I think that concerns me the most about what we are seeing really over uh, the arc of the last two years. I get it. People are angry. They're frustrated. And they're fearful. She gets it, okay? And they're yeah. feel fearful, uh, she said, in reference to the shooting of uh, in the Chicago suburb Highland Park. But we can't let those things mean that we lose sight of each other's humanity. We've got to find a common sense <laughs> and a purpose. Uh, and then Amy Jacobson, I <laughs> said, people thought that you were adding uh, to the uh, toxicity in our public discourse. And then she said, no, I agree. I stand by my comments to both saying uh she had said oh. f donald trump a few years prior and I, I guess this clip was cut off but yeah that was yeah yeah she she's she's really into saying um saying this about public figures in the executive and judiciary branches i guess she'd said it about donald trump as well as clarence thomas and then then she gave the comment that you read this is the full context clarence thomas is a hypocrite i don't understand how or why uh, outside of your theory who should never have been confirmed and the fact that he is using his platform on the Supreme Court to, it's not a platform, you know, um, to blithely act like he could just erase our rights with a stroke of the pen. I stand by my comments. Okay, so does, I mean, to say this about Clarence Thomas, fuck Clarence Thomas, this means in, in street parlance, this means you go like mess him up. This doesn't mean you, you have intercourse with him, right? I don't think, I don't think, she wants to do that at all, given her life choices. So I think she means mess him up. It means do violence on someone. So it is. Yeah. Or travel from California to assassinate a Supreme Court justice, which we saw <laughs> right. a leftist do, who, who part of his reasoning was he was mad that the court was going to make guns easier to get. So he bought guns <laughs> and traveled. Yeah. And also, you know, it's not just public figures. I mentioned at the end that they had a vaccine passport system. And she said when she instituted it, uh, this health order may pose an health order like it's like, you know, remember to bring in your trash or cover your mouth when you sneeze. This health order may pose an inconvenience to the unvaccinated and in fact is inconvenient by design. So this kind of an attack just on people who chose not to get vaccinated. Um, which at the time, I think you only needed eight shots. I don't know how many you have to get to now. Yeah, it's uh, like 16 now or 24. Yeah. Um, Fans rapidly. But uh, but yeah, and I mean, the other thing I think we're going to see more of it, if, if we have time to talk about this, is that the story I was able to work on yesterday about this 10-year-old girl allegedly crossed state lines for an abortion. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but but mm-hmm. it's it's... Yeah, I actually the abortionist to her credit, you know, got back to me and she said, I have nothing, I have nothing to add to this. So kind of raised the question of how's a 10-year-old girl, the immediate thing is she must have been raped. So it was reported to law enforcement. The county it likely happened in said we have no record of that. Um, 
and but it didn't stop, you know, CNN even asked Christy Nome about it. Um, and the, these stories just spread so rapidly. And I think it's only going to get, you know, you know, the, the, the 12 year old, the 10 year old raped by an uncle. That's tragic. The amount of times that happens is 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 fairly low uh, and, and it doesn't change the quality of the it doesn't change the value of, of the human life of that baby or, of course, the, the woman. Cool. Um, so I do think we're going to see more of this rhetoric from Lori Lightfoot, uh, which is maybe what you might say kind of more hard rhetoric, and then the sort of soft rhetoric against pro-lifers with spreading these these questionable stories so quickly. I'd say it's all hard rhetoric, though. I mean, it, it's not 20 years ago. It's like, it's all, hey, you know, Ruth Jane's Revenge and Ruth sent us, which has really been mainstreamed. You know, hey, we're going to firebomb you. Uh, if, if abortions aren't safe, then neither are you. Yeah. Because the mainstream media, quite literally, it's been mainstream. The mainstream media repeats it and says, this is good. It's not just Lori Lightfoot saying, hey, this is, this is justifiable uh, violent rage. It's all of the left. And that's now basically 50% of the country. This is why I have such, such high hopes for the fact that, that we'll just call it. Just call it. Look, I'm, I'm a, Ca- a Roman Catholic. I don't believe in divorce between a man and a woman. But as a Roman Catholic sort of, uh, you know, three regime theorist, there are three good regimes in the bimillennial Catholic tradition with really any of them. Uh, you know, Bellarmine and, and Thomas Aquinas justify a national breakup if yeah. the natural law requires it. So I am a, a pro-divorce advocate in the realm of not men and women, but but republics or aristocracies or even um, bespoiled monarchies. Now, uh, you talk about, you, you write a lot of articles. Yesterday, you also wrote on the University of Idaho, uh, Idaho. Yeah. which is one of the most conservative states in the American West, if not the most, um, it or Utah. And its university system, even though it's in an, a conservative enclave of a state, had attempted to disable, this is also part of the culture of life, by the way, yeah. attempted to dis- disable Christian students just saying point blank what the Christian teaching on homosexuality is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is another great reason to uh, don't go to college by Tim Corey, <laughs> Michael Robillard. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so this is uh, ba- so basically these students, um, I-, I presume they're Protestant, they're in the Christian Legal Society, more of a Protestant group. And um, they basically actually a-, a fellow student had asked them specifically, why does your group, you know, hold to the biblical view of marriage? course, it's not how that student asked it. Uh, and they explained it. There's a couple different events. And then the university put no contact orders on them, which you probably know from going to law school, it's very collaborative, right? You can't, it, it's not like you're one student of 50,000 at Ohio State. I mean, they actually put it on a professor, a limited contact order, but, you know, the law school isn't that big. So of course, he's likely to have this homosexual student, I assume she, or very least she's a liberal student. Um, and the judge, um, you know, it's ongoing, but basically the judge said, while this works its way through the court, you have to lift these no contact orders. Um, what, they're pr- uh, represented by Alliance Defending Freedom, which, of course, is a great pro-life legal group, very successful at the Supreme Court. Um, but yeah, even, that's, even this is going on at the universities in red states, which is something if you go to the college fix, I talk a lot about of taking political power and stopping critical race theory 
and getting rid of the bad professors. In this case, it's administrators more than professors. And, um, you know, I know uh, our friend, your friend, I don't really know, Michael Knowles, you know, would say we should need to wield political power. This is a great example. If I was the governor of Idaho, I would be, you know, ordering investigations or maybe the lieutenant governor, she seems a little more um, aggressive, uh, you know, into this and, and who made these decisions. And because really at a red state college, there's no reason that Christian students shouldn't be able to talk about why homosexuality is a sin. And, and I'm sure their views on abortion and other conservative positions they hold. So um, it shouldn't take a federal lawsuit, basically, is I think what we're saying to be able to, they weren't even tabling. Someone asked them their opinion and they shared it and the student got mad. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And like you said, I mean, there's so many of my issues, our issues rolled into one here. It's all coming to a head because it is like, well, don't go to college. Universities in red states are the only area in the state yeah. where you have little enclaves of blue thought. And there's no reason why when you go to a very red state like Idaho or Mississippi, there's no other ways that these Luciferian ideas are stealing into the otherwise very Christian state except on university campuses. I, I tell people all the time, my neighbors here in Hattiesburg will say to me like, hey man, don't bring your California wackiness with you. I was like, you don't have to worry about me. I fly the old Mississippi flag in my front yard. Like I'm, I'm the most based one here, even though I've got the long hair or whatever. But uh, a lot of my neighbors are 10 years older than me. So I'm like, where do you send your kids to college? It's Mississippi State or Old Miss. That's where they're getting it, man. They're, they are being inundated because a state college, even in the reddest state, like Idaho or Mississippi are both contenders for that award, are still communists. And, and, and they're still LGBTQ+. And it's very, very dangerous. So that's one aspect of that story that you cover. You really cover a lot of stories. You, you are one of the main uh, guys I see publishing there. Can I tell you, Matt, breaking right now, is that uh, our, our friend of the show, Andy Slankard, saying this in comments, Biden is stumping right now. He's given a stump speech previous to, I guess, momentarily signing an executive order on abortion access. Yeah. The, the civil war is real. Yeah. What, sorry. What did you say? No, I'm looking at LifeSite. We have that. We have that up, too. Um, and it looks like he's going to uh, protect and expand access to medication. Party 46. Uh, or to the attorney general to recruit private attorneys, bar associations. They're already on their side. I don't know. You don't need to convene bar associations and uh, public interest organizations. They're already doing it. No. To provide yeah, legal counsel for women seeking. You know, and this is great because the other great thing that the reversal of Roe v. Wade did for all the reasons we already talked about being able to save lives and all that is it really exposed this lie that a lot of pro-abortion Catholic Democrats have repeated for years, which was, well, I just respect the law and I respect the law of the land and I'm personally opposed to abortion, right. but uh, maybe women need to be able to make a decision. And this, a professor who supported Biden, I won't name him because he told me this on background, but professor who supported Biden and was a Catholic said, well, Biden has to uphold the law. Well, now it's not the law anymore. It, it was twisted reasoning anyways, but, and this is just, it, it just lays it bare that this is the position of the Democratic Party, which 
only 10% of people want abortion legal through all through all nine months. There's just a Harvard-Harris poll. Only 10% of people, and that is the position of the Democratic Party, abortion through all nine months. It started in Virginia and New York for no reason without, uh, you know, without apology, the activists always say. Yeah, the exposure of the pretext by pro-abortion Catholics has been staggering over the last two weeks, which, which you point out. But I mean, this, all I'm saying is all these stories go together, man. This right. is, I think the seventh, it will be all told the seventh life site story that I've cited just in today's show alone. Now that this is breaking, I had no way of knowing this was happening. Biden is finishing his speech right now. The civil war is real. Cause I mean, you're going to have a, you could, it depends what this EO purports to do this executive order. You could have on your hands, a constitutional crisis. Where, well, you know, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just reading this one line now that actually gets to, to it. So beyond the federal efforts, which are questionable, it says this from her life said article, the White House statement also reiterated that immediately following the Supreme Court decision, the Biden administration promised to fight any, quote, attack by a state or local official who attempts to interfere with women exercising this right. So yeah. just reading this now, it, it would seem to basically be saying they're going to ignore the Supreme Court decision because it's saying, because in a liberal state, the state officials have to allow abortion. They have it, right? But right. in a conservative state, basically seems to be saying, we're going to fight, you know, the attorney general of Kentucky who enforces the state's pro-life law or the county prosecutor in Wisconsin who enforces the pro-life law. So it really is, I mean, it's an attack on the Supreme Court. They're basically saying, we're just gonna ignore what the Supreme Court said, which is that states can regulate abortion. <clears throat> Man, crazy times. Crazy times. Could, could, could you take us out on one final LifeSite article? This one I found very interesting up from yesterday. I have a couple thoughts on it. But um, it was trending as the most popular article on LifeSite over the last 48 hours entitled, and you didn't write it, um, Sam Dorman did, but it's called, Why is the Daily Wire one of the major forces for good in the conservative movement promoting same-sex surrogacy? I, I, um, and it, it's a good article and it raises some good points. To be fair, I don't, I don't think Daily Wire is monolithic. So definitely there mm -hmm. are people... There, I know Knowles does, does not promote it. I know Walsh does not promote it, but it's, it raises some good, good points, you know, like, um, and of course I did a, a pretty comprehensive show on the evils of surrogacy that even a lot of conservative Catholics didn't know with um, Dr. Damon Cudahy. Um, is, this is a very much a part of the, the pro-life movement, right? Or the culture of life. We need to get a monolithic view among all conservatives, not just Catholics, yeah? Yeah. So basically, I, I listened about half the episode and right, we don't need to analyze too much why the Daily Wire had it, but to focus on the issue of surrogacy. So Dave Rubin um, lives with a man, calls him his husband, and they essentially bought two children. They, you know, shared their seed with two women who uh, there's going to be two babies born um, in the next couple months. Um, Dave wild. Rubin, a lot of conservatives like him. He's very critical of you know, kind of cancel culture and things like that. The problem with surrogacy, and this is something we dealt with at Students for Life with IVF, um, that we would get pushback from pro-life Christians. Problem with surrogacy and IVF from a secular pro-life view is that you are creating extra embryos 
which are destroyed. You, you basically, in a lot of cases, you try to fertilize, you know, a lot of embryos, you implant some and the rest are either destroyed or they go in a freezer for some indeterminate amount of time, which at some point, these frozen embryos, we have to, something has to happen to them. Um, and of course, you can talk about the broader cultural culture of life issues with separating sex from procreation, which is what IVF and surrogacy does. It's a form of adultery um, because you're, in many cases, you're taking the, the semen of one man and mixing it with the egg of someone who isn't um, his, his wife. And of course, vice versa, if you take the egg of the woman and, you know, um, and the problem is, of course, that it also feeds into this idea that children are expendable. And if they might be born with a genetic defect, uh, a, a, a you know, disability of some sort, that it's okay to abort it. So there's plenty of really great pro-lifers out there who have probably used IVF and surrogacy. What they did is they, they've done it. Um, but I think moving forward, they really need to realize this is a huge issue. And I think it will be a battle in the culture for life, because if you destroy a embryo, whether it's in the womb or it's in a freezer, that, I mean, that is abortion. You've, you've destroyed a human life because life begins at conception. That is murder. Yeah. Right. More, more, murder. I mean, yes, I think the um, <clears throat> surgical way of saying what you just said is there are people who think they're pro-life who existentially, experientially have gravely violated the pro-life cause and maybe not even known it, right? That's I, what I, guess getting I didn't even know. I mean, I'm not to correct. You said it perfectly. I'm just re repackaging. Dr. Damon Kudahy, when he came on my show, he was putting it in ways I hadn't even thought. He's like, check this out, man. IVF as we don't recoil nearly as reflexively from IVF as abortion, but it is abort. It always involves abortion. It always involves contraception. It always involves adultery, right? It almost always involves pornography or masturbation. Yeah. Onanism for sure. There, there, there's some more too. I, I forget <laughs> what the, it was like six of the cardinal sins against yeah. being truly pro-life. And Yes, I, I would. I would just stipulate to Mr. Dorman, who wrote the article, uh, that absolutely this is this is vile. Surrogacy, IVF is vile, um, and wh whoever it was that sort of, I guess, tacitly uh, gave the nod to it at, at Daily Wire. I think it was uh, Jordan Peterson, who's the newest member there. Uh, he doesn't represent everything that that uh, Mr. Dorman said in the article was was true as per Jordan Peterson. But I don't think it represents um, even the majority of folks at the Daily Wire. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't I, so. I would I would bet I would bet not. But we can maybe ask Michael Knowles um, what the reaction was. I'm sure him and Matt Walsh were vomiting in trash cans or something when they saw the gay <laughs> father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty nasty. It's yeah. pretty nasty, man. I mean, look, so all of this stuff that Matt, that you and I have talked about here today is the culture of life. All of the uh, antitheses to each of these positions are summarily the culture of death. And it's very difficult. I think this is the real point. In a continent-sized republic, it's not just difficult, it's impossible to say which side is winning. There are so many localities and so many peoples Within 50 peoples within the United States of America, right? 50 countries. Yeah. 
that it's impossible to say what's winning the the culture of life or the culture of death. Not not trying to hide the ball the way law professors play. And at the end of a, a show with a titular question, <laughs> what's winning, life or death? I, I'm not trying to cop out, but it's a state by state issue. Yeah. Culture of life, culture of death is overall winning or losing uh, pending the individual state. And unfortunately, I'll, I'll give you the last thought and then call out anything you want to call out. Uh, you should all follow Matt Lamb. He's one of the main writers at LifeSite. But basically, the, the unfortunate thing is that in the best reddest states in the country, they're Baptist or Protestant. So they just don't get the whole <laughs> smattering of the conceivable uh, uh, constellation of culture of life ideas. So the best that America has to offer without even one sort of expressly Catholic state is, I don't know, B plus or something like that on, on the whole smattering of life issues. That's why we need to popularize Roman Catholicism. That's why it needs to be a bigger part of the culture. That's why we need to return, you know, that we need to return establishments to the states and have establishments of religion. That's why we need to overturn the 14th amendment. That's why I loved justice Thomas's um, perspective on Dobbs so much. I'll, I'll give you the last word, Matt. I've really enjoyed this and I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me to mention. I write at LifeSide. I also am an associate editor for the college fix. And I would just, you know, second what you said about, we really need to fight in each state here in Indiana. You know, there's going to be a special session in a few weeks about abortion so hopefully we will join um, our neighbors in Ohio and some other states in banning abortion. Um, and thanks again for having me. God bless you, Matt. God bless the good work you do. God bless uh, your little boy. And God bless Brianna, too. I, I appreciate all of you. Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, remember, go pre-order this book. Don't go to college. By the way, this is not just a book. For the college-bound or the tuition-paying parent, this is a book about, here's the main word in the title, revolution. You'll see why. It's a book for everyone. It's not really just about college. Sort of an allegory. Also by Steph's book from timothyjgordon.com. Deus volt, God wills it, God be with us, to national divorce. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.